my gosh, we have our last guest host for 2014. Yay! Yay! And this is Heather Ordover from uh, Craftlit.com. Um, books with benefits. <laughs> yes. And um, old, no, no, I shouldn't say old time because that doesn't sound Long so good. standing, long, long time. St- Long time <laughs> podcaster. No, old, I'm old. Let's, old school. Yeah. That's what it's Orbit, original gangster. OG. I'm the OG. OG yes. crafter, <laughs> podcaster. That's it. I know, right? I had to yes. have you on the show because we, we share a lot of the same kind of philosophies of podcasting. We've been around the block a few times within our, our yes. own individual industry. So it's like we're very, you know, we, we were in our niches or however you say <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Um, I, I hate that word. For niche, 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 niche. 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 <laughs> um, you know, you were in one specific one and I was in another one and we've kind of seen things move from there and expand mm-hmm. and contract and go around in circles many different times. <laughs> That's the truth. Plus, you know what? When I was like checking your stuff out, I did not realize how in common our pasts are. Um, uh, L.A. Well, yeah, with the whole uh-huh. acting thing and uh-huh. um, and moving into teaching, although you actually were like a in quotes, real, like, school teacher kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think was, like, anybody who yoga. teaches people and has to plan yes, yes. and okay. assess okay. All right. is a teacher. All right. Well, there. Therefore, that's what I ended up doing. It was like We're my teachers. sanity. Is that Was that your sanity from the Hollywood, like, yes. Hollywood stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Because I felt better. I felt like the world would be okay if I could see people feel and get better at a skill. Yeah, right? Yeah. And it, it made a world of difference. It really, really did coming out of Hollywood. That oh was a God. toxic, toxic place. Dude, so when were you there? Uh, the last thing I did in Hollywood was I worked on the movie Aladdin. as uh, I was voted person most likely to be screamed at by a producer or executive. Oh, my gosh. Um, no, I was a production assistant. So it was like, <laughs> Heather, go get this. Heather, go get that. <laughs> Heather, do this. Um, but having said that, the animators, the directors, all the creative people, I would still walk on hot coals for those people. They were yeah. awesome, but it was a, a, a hard, it was a difficult place to work. And that was 90, hmm. 92. Yeah, it was hmm. beginning of 92. I quit and started the teaching program. Oh, wow. Because I was teaching by 93. Oh my gosh. I'm, okay. I'm yeah. mad old, yo. I'm that old yo. No, that's so funny. That's that, you're, that's, you're not that old yo. Um, it's <laughs> you know. I was there. I was there. Like like it's a, It's like some. It's like some entity. Some like foreign land. I know, right? But yeah, it, it is. is. It is like a foreign land. Actually, it is. Uh, let me see. I was there. Gosh, ninety seven. Ninety seven. Wow. Yeah, that's right. What's what's when I graduated from grad school. So I was there from like ninety seven to two thousand. Um, wow. Funny, funny. I'm still getting residual checks, and it's <laughs> I open them up, and there's like you know one cent, three cents, <laughs> fifteen cents, and this is the catch though is the fact that my agents still take a cut. <gasps> no. Yeah, uh-huh. I know. Isn't that interesting? It's like crazy pants. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so over that. Ah, so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, we have a lot of things to cover, but yeah. um let's 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 start <laughs> off with a little bit of news, guys or ladies. 
Uh, yes. So our last episode of She Podcast, isn't that insane for this year of 2014, is going to be a week from today. Oh my and God. it's going to be a collaborative episode. So hopefully this is what's going to happen is that you take action like ASAP right away, stat people uh, from wherever you are right now and send in <laughs> some audio to me without thinking about this too much. Because if you do, you'll never get it into me. So here's oh, the thing. Sweet. Yes. Send me the audio. You will <laughs> open your piece by saying something like, hello, my name is so-and-so and my podcast is blah, 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 which you can find at mypodcast.com so that I know and people, everybody else knows who you are also and where your podcast is. And then answer <laughs> these three questions. What is your hardware and software? So you really just have to go, I use uh, an H2N as my USB microphone and I record into call recorder and I edit using GarageBand. That's it. So you don't have to get super crazy about that. Answer, what was the biggest lesson you learned this year about podcasting? And answer, what is one piece of advice that you would share with a newbie just starting out? Mm, good one. So if you cannot, you know, keep this in your brain because you might be doing other things, just check on the note on the show notes and you will find all of these questions. You will email your audio files to feedback at shepodcast.com. You can attach it in the email or use a service like WeTransfer, which I will also uh, link in the show notes. Super easy peasy. Now, the deadline, guys, is Christmas Eve. That is December 24th, 2014, which is two days from today if you're listening on the day that we released this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I know it's totally short notice, but we did post it in the She Podcast group, and we sent an email to those of you that are subscribed to our email list. So if you're not part of the group or the email list, get on it so that you get you know in the know sooner in case we decide to do stuff like this because Jess and I are kind of still in catch-up mode of the things that we really want to do. So there you have it. Yay! So that's a big piece of news. And a second big piece of news that has not too much to do with She Podcast specifically. Uh, I'm not sure. We spoke with Jess about this a while ago about the podcasting patent podcasting mm -hmm. patent uh, deal that's been going on. Uh, and this is what's happening, right? Like this happened about a week ago on Wednesday, December 17th, or yes, it did. <laughs> this is what's going on with the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Would you like to read this for me, uh, Miss Heather, please? I would love to. Yes. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, the EFF, argued at a public hearing on Wednesday that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, which is the USPTO, should invalidate key claims of a patent used by notorious patent troll Personal Audio. <laughs> boo hiss. Boo to shake down hiss. podcasters, we need to have a melodrama. Boo. I know. Boom, 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 boom. Personal Audio claims it owns a patent that covers podcasting, despite the fact that many examples of what we now call podcasting existed before the patent was issued. In May 2013, EFF launched its quote-unquote Save Podcasting campaign in response to Personal Audio's spate of legal threats and lawsuits. Buoyed by support from its members and the podcasting community, EFF filed a petition challenging five claims of the U.S. Patent Number 8 one one two five zero four. Good <laughs> lord, how many patents do they have? In October twenty thirteen. Right. Ah. Uh, personal audio 
is known. Oh, and this just. I know this Burns is the part that gets everybody. Oh my god! Personal audio is known as a non-practicing entity, a company that does not do podcasting itself, but instead bases its business model on demanding license fees from actual creators, from garbage from garage podcasters to major broadcasters. At this hearing, EFF's pro bono counsel will argue before the panel of USPTO judges that personal audio did not invent anything new or non-obvious that should entitle personal audio. To a patent. Uh, <sighs> yay. So this uh, this is a huge news for this year. I believe that the, these news, this whole patent, um, the patent stuff, the, the, the podcasting patent mm. craziness began, I believe, uh, in January of this year, like sometime around uh, 2014 NMX time. Yeah. All of this information started to go down. Um, that's when all of the big big leagues started to be sued, hmm. uh, such as you know Adam, Adam Carolla yeah. is the biggest one that was out there, and he settled with the patent troll. But it has nothing to do with the EFF. The EFF has raised these funds via the community to be able to to do this the way that they're doing it. So hopefully, if you guys want to get in the know, either I'm sure that I'll be posting a little bit more about this if if not already, or you can do a little bit of a search when you hear this and perhaps know what happened. And I. You know what? I don't know about the legal system, so I don't know if like you go into this and you argue at a public hearing and then like something is is done, or if there like you do that and then it's quiet. Like yeah. I don't understand what that would be like. Like I don't know if there's an answer um, that uh, because we're recording this in the p- past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this in the past, so I don't know if this is already resolved or not, but just wanted to let you know that last Wednesday, this is what happened. Yeah, and uh, there will be and, news. And, I'm, I'm sure we can find news to post on. on oh, uh, yeah, on the links in the show notes, yeah. just as an update, maybe, and just put them there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is an, an very important for all of us to be in the know about this stuff because, obviously, the only news that you see and only the news that you hear at this moment is all about cereal <laughs> and how popular <laughs> podcasting is becoming in the mainstream. But this is something that that will affect people like cereal and startups yes. and all, all of that stuff because there is a possibility, a possibility that, that – that podcasting or podcasters are infringing patents and they're more likely than not will not go after the little ones as of now. There's no money in us. There's no, no, no. Right. And which was one of the arguments that was. I know. I love that. I forgot that was There's no money in podcasting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hmm. so much for that. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah, exactly. So much for that. So I, you know, I wondered why before that piece of news came out, I had wondered why they hadn't gone after NPR. Because if you're looking for somebody with deep pockets, you go after the biggest, biggest corporate entity that's putting out podcasts. And since NPR repackages all of its radio and dumps it out as, as podcast, I, I kept waiting, but I just realized thinking about this, that it's, it's because NPR is a news organization and they don't want anyone investigating this oh hmm, i think i maybe? need to send this to john kalish whose email or is i still it, have oh hey mm-hmm. why not right mm-hmm. and then this that's that was one of my comments it in especially now how incredible would it be for a reporter at this moment mm-hmm. to start a and, and really dive into this kind of story yeah right now that podcasting is front and center yeah. to be able to follow up. How about if cereal 
follows up on this story and Ooh. makes that their second season. Ooh. No, I don't know. No, but it, I don't think it will. Well, you yeah. know, you know what? You never know how how interesting the whole story would be if they go back and see like what patent law litigations are. Yeah. You know, well, I thought prior that was it was it I, it was one of you. It was you or Rob. I'm fairly certain it was on the feed. Was um, mm-hmm. months ago talking about that the the problem. The problem isn't the patent troll. The problem is patent law. Yeah. Because the law does have this loophole that lets people go through and do ridiculous things like this because they do it in other, um, entities in, in other, other places in our culture, in our society as well. It's not just podcasting that winds up with trolls. There are other trolls that do other kinds of nasty things. And so it's oh, yeah. a, it's a problem with the law itself. And so then that needs to be fixed. Yeah, that would be a really great. I wonder if there can be pitches that you can send to mm. to Sarah Koenig and just be like, <laughs> "This will be something for you to look at since you are podcasting." Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that would be kind of interesting. So, um, and and you know what? This kind of leads us to kind of one one of the things that I really wanted to chat chat about with you because, as of now, you know, we've been seeing a lot of podcasting. Mm, how would I? put this not in a bad way but it just seems like there seems that it's very narrow visioned Mm -hmm. with the newbies that are coming in Mm -hmm. i would say that you know we we do talk about this a lot on the show where there's a a lot of people who are doing interview shows Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who are doing kind of kind of same style shows like the daily show or maybe like snippet show kind of like quick and dirty ships Mm -hmm. Uh, quick and dirty ships (laughs) (laughs) which are interesting because they fit inside bottles Quick and exactly right. Quick and dirty ships. <laughs> Quick and dirty tips. You know, like some of those. It, it just seems to be the same sort of style. Yeah. And but you know that there's an array of things that ha, that that have been used for podcasting in a long time. And one of the biggest uh, genres in podcasting that is even bigger than comedy is education. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. And some of the biggest podcasts that I'm sure a lot of people have not really heard about at all and usually don't get very much press at all Mm-mm. are educational podcasts, mm-hmm. particularly language podcasts. Yeah. Uh, and you've been in this industry in and out of podcasting for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I, it would be awesome for you to kind of give me a little bit of a of your take in, in, in what education and podcasting has meant, I guess, for... For you as an educator, like why did you start? Why did you start Craftlet in this? Well, Craftlet. Let's talk about Craftlet. <laughs> oh my god! Like switching into like people would be like, "What are you talking about?" It's good because it's how like, my brain works too. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, like you know, how did you end up talking about books while you were crafting? I mean, what what merged those two things and wanted to reach out to a community of people that perhaps wanted to dive deeper into novels? And well, it, things like it was that. a combination of things. I was um, I I taught in New York City until two thousand three. I was um, we taught at a school that was about a half block south of the South Tower. So I only lasted two years after nine eleven. And, um, and decided when I got pregnant with my second son that I was going to stay home and I would do curriculum work, um, just written, written curriculum work. And I really missed talking about books, talking about books with my students, talking about books with colleagues. And, and I realized that one of the uh, good things about being home was reading to my children 
And then I thought, started thinking about it more and I thought back and said, oh, well, you know, all my life, people in my family had read to each other. When we went on long road trips, my mom would read us whatever we were reading. Um, dad read us uh, Ben Franklin's autobiography and um, most of Mark Twain's Roughing It. And actually, my my father is reading the current book on Craftlet because he has this fabulous baritone voice. And oh, wow. He, yeah, he's it's really nice. And he's got um, a wicked sense of humor. And it's a wickedly funny book that we're doing right now. So you can kind of hear him raising his eyebrow at you every once in a while. It's fun. But but there was this huge culture of being read to in my family that stretched way back. And, um, and we are all, um, I joke that it goes back to the Puritans, uh, idle hands are the devil's playground that people are going to get in trouble if they don't have something to do with their hands. Cause they'll, <laughs> <laughs> there are so many bad things that one could start doing. And, and so the, um, knitting or crocheting or cross stitching or cooking or, you know, anything, this was something that was just part of my, my family life. All of my mom's sisters were very creative. Um, actually artists. I mean, they really make art and, and we all liked listening to audiobooks. Uh-huh. And so it kind of merged into this, well, we cannot be the only people who are like right. this. And it's really hard to hold a book while you're knitting. And no, really? <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's crazy talk. And I, when I taught high school in New York, come, well, you'll love this because when I, when I got trained in California, California's educational system at the time was very much like, okay, so now we're going to like make a classroom constitution. And part of the constitution is going to be like, what do we want to learn? And how are we going to like treat each other? You know? <laughs> and so you try that in New York City. And oh my God. I walked into the classroom and totally pulled the constitution thing. And this boy raised his hand. I will never forget this child. He's a junior in high school. He raised his hand and he said, um, miss, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but are we going to read any Shakespeare? <gasps> and my head just went, aye, 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 aye. and I said, uh, well, it's American lit. So no, but wh- why are you asking me? Did you read Shakespeare last year? And he said, well, yeah, I mean, we've read Romeo and Juliet and last year we did Othello and we did Taming of the Shrew and you know, we really like it. And all the kids are nodding. Oh my gosh. Right. And I, I stopped and went, okay, uh, think fast. And I said to them, okay, well, this is Friday or it was, it was Thursday. And I said, tomorrow we're going to have a writing assignment this weekend. I'm going to go home and I'm going to replan the entire year's curriculum based oh on what you're telling me now, because these were kids who wanted out. They wanted to go to college. They wanted to have successful adult lives. These were, these were kids who had chosen to come to this school. It was a kind of like a magnet school. But you apply in New York City has a strange system and it's based on the fact that the kids are on subway systems so they can get anywhere so they can okay, apply yeah, to any high yeah. school. And, um, and so these were, these were kids who were motivated. And so I went home that weekend and I said, okay, if I could have had a perfect college prep curriculum, one that would have made me feel like I was truly prepared to walk into a college environment and, and play with the big boys, what would it have looked like? And so I sat down and I said, okay, well, it's going to start with a scarlet letter 
And then we're going to do Huck Finn and we're going to do the Transcendentalists and we're going to do Their Eyes Were Watching God and The Great Gatsby at the same time because that's the black Southern female version of the same time period as the Northern white male version of the same time period. Fantastic. And um, they had to do a huge research project. They had to defend themselves and they had to present their thesis for what was the most important piece of American literature uh, written in the first 200 years of the country and they had to present it to the AP senior students. And they got very they nice. got rated, very so nice. they had to show up in suits and ties, and and then we ended with um, Catcher in the Rye in a, a big research paper, and I mean I kicked their butts and they loved it. And what I learned mm-hmm. was that what I what I hadn't understood about what I was doing is that I was teaching to the joke. Everybody talks about teaching to the test. I taught to the joke because all of the adult inside jokes, things that adults just say to each other. Even even something like looking at each other while you're at a children's playground and going, Lord of the Flies. Or, you know, oh, my God, that kid's piggy. And it's it's shorthand for us. But if the kids never read the book, they're going to feel like an outsider. And the last thing I wanted any of my students in New York to feel like was an outsider at college because a lot of them were going to go on scholarship. They were going to be at school with really, really rich kids. I was in a similar situation. It is a really uncomfortable place to be. And if you... If you come in with that already being a problem, and then on top of it, now you feel like you don't even have the right same education, that's that's horrible. So I, I made sure that they could get all the inside jokes. I taught to the joke. And so that's what Craftlet is. It's the same thing. It's all the books that you either were told you had to read or should have read, but didn't. Or the ones that you read in school <laughs> and you hated in school, which is yeah, like Tale of Two Cities. I hated. I hated. I read the first two chapters. Did you really? Oh, my, oh God. my God. Well, yeah, the first two chapters are really hard, but yeah. that was one of my favorites. I was <gasps> the only one that I actually got through. Well, yeah. And you might be the only one I know who actually read it. Oh, in my school. God. Really? Yes. <gasps> I got so into that. Oh, my God. I, I, I yeah. have a visceral response at this moment of reading the last chapters inside of the high school gym. Ugh, I'll bet. Oh, my God. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's it's that kind of book. Yeah. And in fact, I had a I made some crack on a podcast about how appalling Tale of Two Cities was and a listener wrote and said, "Um, I think you need to go listen to it again." Oh my god. And I I wrote back and said, "No, no, no, really. I <laughs> I read the first two chapters and the last two chapters. I got an A on the test. I'm done." And she said, mm, <gasps> "No. You really oh need to go gosh. back and listen again." Uh, all right. Well, I trust her judgment. She's got a reason for it. And I wound up in the driveway in my car, sobbing, like snot pouring down my yes. face, crying for the last 20 minutes of that audiobook. It was insane, wasn't it? Like, yeah. I remember, and this like hit, hit me, it yeah. hit me, but I, re- I do remember that it was hard to get through the first yeah. part of it. But, you know, that really, lis- listening, and I, I guess that was one of the last times that I really, really dove into a proper novel mm-hmm. was in, in high school, yeah. you know, and I remember there was a, there was a reason why I had to read this and it was because I was going to have a test yeah. or something, exactly. right? So you do listen to it. But I remember Tales of Two Cities was that visceral for me because I was a girl mm-hmm. and there was love and there was like, you know, all that kind of stuff that really oh, I yeah. resonated with it and the, the magic kind of behind it. And mm-hmm. there were just like all these different layers, but anyway, it's not really about that, <laughs> but I think that. I, I believe that more people would have resonated with more of the other books that I got. The one that I didn't really like was like my like Animal Farm. Mm. I just never. Yeah, I don't know. I just there was something very dark about that <laughs> piece that just didn't 
at all. It was not something I wanted to dive into nor study yeah. whatsoever. I just didn't want to know about it. Yeah. But I believe that maybe if it, if I heard it, it would have been a completely different story. Yeah. And that's that was the other thing that happened while I was teaching in New York. I had a a student who was um, classified special ed, she had some, some very specific and some very interesting learning disabilities. And she uh, came to me at the beginning of the Scarlet Letter and said, uh, I am going to need to use these adaptations in class in order to get through this book. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? And she said, I want to be able to read the summary in the Cliff's Notes and then read the chapter. And I said, okay. And she oh said, my. but I'm not going to read the analysis section because I think I understand it better when we talk about it. And I said, okay. And she said, but sometimes I may need to listen to the audiobook version. And I said, well, that's fine, but you're going to have an essay at the end. So you might want to read the audiobook version with the book in front of you and then just stick a tabby, you know, a little uh, post-it note in the margin anytime you hit something that you think might be a useful quote to remember for later. And she said, oh, I can do that. That's easy. And I said, okay. She wound up understanding that book better than everybody else in class. And she was able to pull um, quotations out of her memory. And I started to think after seeing a couple more kids do similar things over the years that there was a really interesting reinforcement happening between the audio brain and the reading brain. And this whole bias, there's a huge bias in the educational world and literature world that, well, listening to a book isn't the same as reading. That can't, you know, you're not using your eyes for God's sake. I kind of, I kind of feel that. I do feel that. I did for I mean, a long time. And then I realized when we were doing Gulliver's Travels and Aaron Ziegler at Chop Bard podcast, he recorded uh, the book for us. He said, I, with without the the benefits notes that I provide, he said, even without those, I would have missed so much of this book because my eyes would have glazed over words that I didn't know, and I just get enough from context and I keep going. But the jokes were in those words. And so because he's reading it out loud, he has to know how to interpret the word and pronounce the word. He'd go look mm. it up and he'd go, oh, mm. my God, that's the joke. And so there's a, there's a benefit that you get by listening to someone who is trained to read these older texts because they can help you hear context. They can help you hear intention, stuff that would be lost to us now just because nobody talks that way anymore. And, oh, um, yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And, yes. And it, it makes, as soon as he said it, I went, Oh, I didn't even understand that that's part of what we were doing, but that's part of what we were doing. And it's, That's brilliant. it's really good for, especially for ESL kids or ELL kids now, if they have oh. the book in front of them and they can listen to the book at the same time, they don't have to raise their hands in class to ask, you know, what is this word or what does this mean or anything like that? Cause we give it to or them. how to say it. Yeah. Or how to say it. And yeah, you don't, yeah. I mean, oh when you're, when you're a second language learner, you do not want to call attention to yourself in class and you can rewind no. the bloody thing as many times as you need to be able to to get it right and to, to understand it. And that's a huge gift from, from the digital world, especially because digital makes it all that much easier. Oh gosh. That, you know, that's perfect. And, and something that I was thinking, cause I had that prejudice in my own prejudice in my own head, like I just mentioned about listening to a book and is that really reading it? Mm -hmm. And I have found that. And 
I've been, you know, I finally kind of bit the bullet and I'm, I'm listening to audiobooks <gasps> now and audible. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> and one of the reasons that I did it was because I, I, I could not physically read a book anymore. Yes. I could not physically read a book. I, I, number one, I'm already carrying a gazillion bags with me mm-hmm. full of stuff for, you know, when my girls were slightly younger, I had to have like a change of clothes for everybody. <laughs> I had to have diapers. I had to have, you know, whatever emergency kit <laughs> and, you know, drinks and snacks and my stuff. And I just thought carrying a book yeah. is just... Not going to happen. Much. And then how many times did I open that book and then put a little thing in between it, you know, a bookmark, and then one of my children would come in and take the bookmark out. Yeah. And then I would spend 10 minutes trying to figure out where the heck I was before. Yeah, and you're too tired anyway, so you fall asleep as soon yeah. as your your eyes get halfway down the page. Totally. Yeah. And then, and, and it, absolutely, I, there was no, not, a, and then we would kind of, we, we co-sleep. So then it was like, if when the lights are off, yeah, the lights They're are off. off. So, <sighs> yeah, no, it's a <laughs> you know huge problem. Mean? It was a huge problem. And so I did start to read on my iPhone, like on, yeah. on, on the Kindle, but there's something that's in, in, uh, on the iPhone Kindle app first. Right. And that was great. Uh, but then I prefer the Kindle itself. But even then, yeah. there's times when there's other things that I need to do. And so I started to read it, reading while I was washing dishes. Just mm-hmm. the same thing that I do when I, when I listen to podcasts. Exactly. It's just sort of the same thing. And I remember that I retain things a lot more. Yes. There are things that I can recall faster yep. uh, about, about whenever I read things this way in audio form. I do wish to have the component of having the physical book as well, yes. because that, that way then I can go, oh, wow, chapter two was amazing. I want to go back now and scan those like key phrases that were just brilliant. Yep. So I do agree that there's something amazing that we are missing as a culture. And I think, you know, podcasting is kind of bringing it back. Yeah. Our ability to to use that part of our brain to be really be able to listen particularly to the power of language yeah. because there is a part of your brain I, I don't know if this is true or not but i believe that it gets bigger yeah uh when you start to comprehend via your hearing yeah you know it's it's a different part yeah of it, it stretches a different muscle absolutely and it was just and it also and, and again I'm, I'm coming back to kind of like an embodiment form that you remember mm-hmm. In a full body experience, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. And I saw something, I believe, I'm not sure if you wrote something about this, but I did see cognitive anchoring yeah, that was mine. somewhere. Yeah. And so I was like, cognitive anchoring, this is, br- can you talk a little bit about this? Because this was like, oh my God, oh, this sure. was like a huge light bulb moment for me yeah. because this not, this doesn't just happen. And th- I think this is fantastic for podcasting as a whole. Yeah. Not just like, you know, reading books or audio or education. This is like as a whole. This is why yeah. the power of podcasting is so amazing. I think so too. And I think it's, uh, I had a series of things because I have had such a weird life. I've had a series of things happen that sort of started to coalesce into a unified field theory of doing stuff with your hands. And it started when I was in, um, at Disney, actually. I was talking to the animators and they all talked about how they got in trouble in school for doodling. And it really bugged them because for them, the doodling was how they remembered and how they paid attention. And some of these guys were on the autistic spectrum, 
which means that making eye contact or, or eye to face contact was actually physically uncomfortable for them. And they really needed to have their eyes diverted and on the paper in order, in order to be able to pay attention. But there were other ones who it just, it was the act of doing something with their hands made it easier for them to remember what they were listening to. And then, Ah. and then as I kept going through school, I started to notice that there were kids in my classroom who also needed to have something in their hands or something to fidget with or something to doodle with. And we, we started to learn about ADD kids, um, and, and the need for fidget toys and things like that right around that same time. And then moving into the, the knitting community, um, as that expanded, especially after nine 11 in New York city, as that, that whole, um, way of life expanded, I started to notice that there were people who um, either asked or had somehow negotiated an opportunity to knit in meetings, big meetings, um, whether they were staff meetings when I was teaching or conference table meetings when I was working in uh, educational publishing. And I started sensing that I would do better if I had something in my hands. And it, it had to be the things that I've learned that actually are brain science since then <clears throat> is that it had to be repetitive and it had to be something I didn't have to look at. Like I couldn't do lace knitting, but I could knit a sock just around and around and around and around and around. And uh. by doing that or, or a very simple pattern that I had memorized by doing that, um, you said that you remember things from the book because of uh, incorporating physical movement. And I could look at that sock and I could remember what they were talking about at different points on that sock. Ah, uh, yep, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yep. It is. Yep. And it's, it is a total thing. And it turns out that what it is, is that um, <laughs> smart people. <laughs> and so that's all of us, everyone who's listening, smart this is about people. you, right? Um, we <laughs> yeah. have a lot of bandwidth in our brains. And only a certain part of that bandwidth is getting sucked up by listening on a conference. A conference calls are killers. That's where I have to be knitting or I really oh will not pay God, attention. Yes. Um, yes. And that's where people doodle. It's the same thing. Doodling's the same thing, sort of. Doodling diverges from the knitting thing and the, the crafting thing and the movement thing um, at, at some point. But but the the bandwidth in your brain is only partially used up by by listening. And even by taking notes, there's that other piece of the bandwidth that if you don't keep it active, actively listening, you will start making grocery lists. You will start planning when you're going to pick up your kids tomorrow. You will start figuring out, oh, what what should I wear Friday night? I have nothing to wear. Oh my God, I have to get shoes. All of that stuff starts to take over and you stop paying attention. You don't, however, have enough bandwidth to replace that grocery shop grocery shopping list making with something visual your visual cortex takes up too much bandwidth and at that point you would stop being able to pay attention to anything else so people who say that they're looking at their facebook page but they're paying attention are full of it they cannot do that Mm. you cannot you cannot and people if they're honest with themselves they know that but you can listen and knit or crochet or doodle or do repetitive movement all of these things walking jogging um yoga uh Pilates, any kind of stretching, anything that's repetitive and um, I think moderated actually is a good word for it. And and one of the other things that had happened was I had started seeing in the early 
2000s, in the early aughts, I had started seeing pictures from World War One of guys who were shell shock victims who were at um, Walter Reed Army Hospital who were being taught to knit. And, and so these are, you know, soldiers in bed recuperating knitting socks. And I started trying to research into that. And that's very hard to find um, any kind of anything other than anecdotal stuff. But I did start to find bits and pieces that the, the repetitive motion is calming. It's very calming. It's very soothing, but especially for men, the, the idea that they could do something that was, you know, working with a soft textile, that was working with color, that was repetitive, that was uh, moderated, but also productive mm-hmm. was so important to their recovery. And I thought, well, now I understand why after 9-11, it looked like all of New York started knitting. So, uh-huh. oh, well, that makes perfect sense because New York is right. a very productive place just in general. And New Yorkers need to move. And we couldn't actually, after 9-11, we were, we were being kept, you know, for the first couple of weeks, nobody went out. It was really kind of spooky. Um, and so this, this cognitive anchoring thing, I think ties in so perfectly with being read to because the, the knitters, the crocheters, the weavers, I have, I have knitters, crocheters, weavers, gardeners, potters, um, uh, theatrical designers, uh, glass blowers, um, hunters. No kidding. I have, wow. I have, I have this unbelievable range of people and it, people apologize. They send stuff in and they say, you know, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not really a crafty person. All I do is garden. I'm like, okay, oh. okay, no, you have to, you have to take a step <laughs> back because gardening is a craft. Yoga is a craft. Anything that you pay attention to and work to get better at, I think is a, it's a craft. It's something yeah. that you are practicing. And, um, and so I, I, it's, it's, it's really kind of morphed into this awareness that this is how our brains work. And these are things that our brains crave and, a lot of times we'll put on noise, like we'll have the TV in the background. Yes, I totally do that. Yeah. And I did that too. And then I started replacing that with podcasts. Yeah. But then I, I, I believe, yeah. And, well, and I had to replace them with very specific podcasts because I couldn't listen to podcasts that were going to upset me. You know, this, this is, this, you bring something up that's, that's really interesting as well because there are times when my brain craves a certain kind of listening. Uh-huh. And I, and I believe that's why there's, it's especially with podcasters, there is room for all of this. There's uh-huh. room for having a conversation like we're having right now. There's room for having, you know, people talk with each other, like, you know, in terms of like the comedy shows and things like that, where it's like not quite as deep. There's room for just the music podcast. There's room for for all of these things, because just like food, we can't just have dessert all day long. (laughs) There's times when you're like, "Hmm, I want something salty, you know, Uh and I've found that as of late, I've been craving fiction. Yeah. I've been craving to listen to stories. And I have a couple of other books that I think I have three books that I'm still going through <laughs> in Audible. And I haven't gone into them, not because I'm not enjoying them, but because they require more of me. Yeah. So if I'm listening to something, I'll get an idea and go, my God, that was brilliant. Yep. And then I, because that's a, 
applicable to to my life right now. It's it's a learning that I'm doing right now. Yep. So I think like I have to do that. Like I'm I'm listening to getting things done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so and he'll he'll say something like, "You need to have like at least 100 empty folders." And I'm like, "100 empty folders." Oh my god! And then my mind goes into, yeah. "Where am I going to go get 100 empty folders?" Oh my gosh, a hundred empty, you know, then I'm, I'm off into trying to fix my getting things done perfect space because that's a doable, that's something that I have to do. Whereas if I'm listening to nonfiction, I mean, to fiction, then I can just sit there and enjoy the story Uh and want to just be in the story and, and hear what's going on. So I've been choosing that above the other stuff. And I have also found that it has given me the opportunity to now step away from the kind of listening for podcasts. Because even yeah. then, even in podcasts, I, I find that like I want I want something more sometimes. I don't want reality conversation. Yeah. I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear this right now. Yeah. So um, it's been it's been amazing. So the reason that I feel you know I wanted to bring Heather to think to talk about this in with the levels of the education, with the levels of the literature, with the levels of the science, with the levels of all of these things that you can do via your listening, then I feel it is imperative for us as podcasters to listen. Mm -hmm. Because I find that there's a lot of fear that is involved with listening to yourself, Mm -hmm. listening to uh, not opening up to hear different genres. Mm Uh, choosing to stay in the one genre and the thing that you that really resonates with you. Yeah. So there's a way to be able to gather or grow your brain mm-hmm. to be able to offer your audience mm-hmm. more yeah. instead of and and here's the thing too because we talked with Jess in the last episode about Pat Flynn. In his pass, smart passive income, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, podcast, and I and I believe I talked to you about this as well. Yeah. That he kind of did an experiment doing it like serial like or startup like, mm-hmm. right? And my response wasn't necessarily a positive response, and and I know that his response came from a a place of wanting to experiment, mm-hmm. from a place to. That he wanted to do something new and he wanted to do this because I'm sure that was one of the first times that he has been exposed to something Mm. that was like that, Mm -hmm. right? So why are we waiting for somebody to do this, Mm -hmm. to inspire us this way in terms of audio? We can do it. We can just find a podcast. I guarantee you there's there's a podcast out there. Yeah, right now that isn't famous, that isn't like one of the top 10 podcasts in iTunes that will do that for you. Yeah. You know, w- I saw a post with you with um, Chop Bard. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk really quickly about Chop Bard and what that is? And, and re- because it inspired me again to work a different part of my brain again. Yeah. You know, I like the, the, la- the Shakespearean language. But anyway, go ahead, go ahead and, and give us a little bit about Chop Bard. Well, the, the same like, podcast listener, who's she's actually a podcaster herself now. She does a podcast called Forgotten Classics, where she reads... Um, books that used to be very popular back in the uh, 1800s and 1700s, but have been largely forgotten. And she just reads them. She doesn't do any commentary. Any, there's no audiobooks with benefits version. There's just the audiobook. And she had e- she's the one who emailed me about Tale of Two Cities. And then she later emailed me and said, I think I have found the podcast you've been waiting for, for Shakespeare. You need to go listen to Chop Bard. And he was, I think he was only halfway through his first play, which was Romeo and Juliet. And, uh, he's, mm. he's been an actor. He's a graphic artist. Um, Aaron Ziegler is the host and he's, 
um, he's got a great production sense about him. Like his opening music has always been the opening music. He just kind of showed up on the scene sounding professional. And part of that is his theatrical training. And so he's, he's been very polished since the get go. And he goes through Shakespearean plays, um, act by act, scene by scene, breaking it down, making sure that again, you understand the jokes. And that when there are bizarre historical references that we've lost context for, that you're, you've get the blanks filled in for you. So that when you do go and see Shakespeare, and he's always encouraging people to go watch it. Don't go read it. Go watch it. When you do get a chance to go watch it, you'll understand what's going on, both in the meta, you know, kind of the big picture, what is the play about, about, as well as the, the micro, you know, why, why is Hamlet saying to be or not to be? What is the impulse behind that speech? And, um, and as a consequence, I mean, you just, you find yourself so excited about, about language and about history and about, and about Shakespeare just in general. And, and then Aaron Ziegler also, he's just, he's a really interesting guy. And I've actually been able to, to sit down and have, uh, dinner and, and lunch with him a few times. And my kids have met him. And we listened to some of Macbeth on the way up to New York before we met him so the kids could hear his podcast. And now they listen, not, not oh constantly, my. but they, right, they right. listen enough that they, they have understood stuff. And in fact, my, my thing too, my younger son wrote a Shakespearean sonnet about the snow that he just one morning he said, I want to write a sonnet. And I said, well, okay, these are the rules and this is how the beats go. And this is how you have to fill in the blanks. And oh my God. And he sat there and he did it. And he, he only uh. asked for a rhyme for one line and the rest of it, he did himself. And I sent it to Aaron wow. Siegler and Aaron read it on his hundredth, uh, hundredth and a hundredth episode. <laughs> blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's, but it is exactly what you're talking about. It's one of those podcasts that, it doesn't strain your brain because so much of it is funny and fun, but it does expand your brain. Mm-hmm. And you, I often find myself with that impulse of, oh, well, I'm going to have to go read this one or, oh, I'm going to have to go watch that one yeah. again. Or I, and, my, and I'm sure you've had these feelings. I want to play that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be on stage. Oh God, yes. I want to do, I want to do that. Oh yeah. Well, you have to get in good with Aaron because I'm in 12th night right now. How exciting. I was in Twelfth Night, too. Were you Mariah? No, I was Olivia. <gasps> Nuh-uh. My playing of Olivia was not the usual thing because I did it for East L.A. Classic Theater. Awesome. So, so in L.A. And um, it was, I had to, it was, I was a rock star. So Olivia was a rock star, like a, like a rock star. Love it. And um, Orsino was, um, he was a salsa, <laughs> a salsa guy, like a, one of those, like, you know, like Mark Antony types. Oh my God. Oh That's my so God. I know. And it was hilarious and it was made into a musical, but with all the, like with the hippest music ever right. and it was just so cool, but I remember, yeah, that. So I was Olivia the rock star because if music be the food of love, exactly, play it on. So we had all these different type of, you know, stuff, and plus, of, of course, it was East LA classic, so everything had to have some Latino, like so Latino undertone, right. lots of Spanglish going on in there. There was like lots of hip hop and rapping, and so it was, it was awesome. It was just hilarious. That but anyway, play would so, lend yeah. itself to that so well oh yeah right yeah 
Not all of so, Shakespeare would, but that that play, yeah. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. So that was my experience with Twelfth Night. Well, now you have to go listen to it over on Chop Bard because you'll go, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. I know. And that's the fun part when you listen to, when you listen, it's just, it, it's mine. It blows your mind. It does. Like, it's just anyway. So, uh, coming back, not, not talking about Shakespeare, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Let's kind of move on a little bit from the education aspect of it and the listening aspect of, of podcasting. And, and, you know, I, I believe that Serial has brought in a, a lot of really new listeners and there's people that are going to continue to listen to podcasts mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, and it's been so wonderful to see things on the news. And I, and to see, you know, what was really exciting for me is when I saw that, that Sarah Koenig was on Colbert, on the yeah. Colbert Report. And the reason that I was much more excited, even, even though perhaps the piece could have been longer or there could have been something else added that I wish that I wish could have happened. I was just super proud that it was a woman. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Has Mark Marin or, uh-uh. or like the Nerdist guy, uh-uh. like Chris Hardwick ever been on Cor- Colbert Report? No, I don't think so. I haven't seen him. I was really glad that- it was a woman too. But I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I am starting and I'm going to continue making the distinction between podcasts and procasts. Mm. Because I, I really do feel that um, no matter what they say, Alex Bloomberg, the serial people, all of those people, there are doors open for them that are not open for the rest of us. And those yes. doors lead yes. to funding. And those doors leads to uh, Alex Bloomberg got to interview slash pitch people that you or I would that Rob would not ever be able to get a meeting with. Yeah. yeah, And so to say it's not professional is just being disingenuous. That's that's just not true. It is a procast and podcasting. I know that it's it sounds like sour grapes, but it's not. It's that it's I have the same problem with. way back on an older episode of Craftlet, I had a, a fit about the phrase begging the question. Begging the question is actually a logical fallacy. It goes back to Aristotle and it means a very specific thing. It means circular reasoning. So you mm. can't, you can't actually beg a question. You can have a question raised. Well, that raises the question, but it doesn't uh-huh. beg the question. Begging the question is, is a bad thing. You really don't want to bring that up. <laughs> and, and so I just went off one day on on a tangent about that. And at the end of it, I kind of went, I, I don't know why I'm so upset about that. I guess it's <laughs> just because I want words to mean what they mean. Yeah. Okay. And, it's, and podcasting to me kind of definitionally is, you know, it's, Hey, my dad has a barn. Let's go put on a show. And people yeah. come to you because they're your people because they like the th- same things you like, or they want the same things you want. And, and you aren't going to get that from a corporation. Because corporations, it's it's all done by committee, and with podcasts, you get who you get. Yeah, and and that's that's it, and that's one of the things that I think we like, and I think more people will like it as they find it, but they shouldn't be surprised when the audio quality doesn't sound like serial or the uh, people who are getting interviewed aren't the same people that you'd hear on startup. You know, it's going to be more it's going to be more homegrown and it's going to be more real life. And and I I think you you hit on a great point here. Now I would ask, will people be turned off by the audio not being like NPR? I don't know. I mean, 
I know that there are times when I do hear a podcast and I go, oh, they could have done a little bit better with the audio Yep. here and there. But in all honesty, there has been, I believe, maybe one or two podcasts, which is saying a lot because I listen, listen to, to a lot, lot yeah. that I have not been able to listen because of the audio, because of the audio. I'll, I'll tell or you, or because of the, the thing that'll stop ahead. it for me, the one that'll turn it off if I'm listening on earbuds, is sibilance. If it hurts my ears oh, to have I the okay. s- s- S's, mm. which I mean, we all have happen. And now I actually yeah. was finally able to afford editing equipment that allows me to go in and fix that. Like, Are you using sound soap? No, I'm using um, Adobe Audition. Oh, that's right. I can okay. go in and erase it. Oh my God. Okay. I know. I know. Really cool. Yeah, but and but, and, I didn't but again, have that before, right? But but the, here's the thing, though: that there are people like my daughter who doesn't eat anything that's not white because it's right. too spicy. Right. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, the girl can tell if I had put a speckle of pepper inside of anything. She's like, "Oh my god, this is so spicy!" This is your and daughter. She just this is my daughter. <laughs> and then there's the other one who can eat anything, right? For the most part, right. you know. And so it's like. Yeah, everybody. I sometimes I'm like, give me a break. She's not going to be able to taste the difference, and she can. can. Like she can taste the difference from so many different things. Yeah, and you know, it it blows my mind, and it kind of makes me irate. But then there's (laughs) people when they're the ones like, whatever, give me mud. I'll eat paper. You know, it's like she doesn't care. (laughs) So does it really matter? I mean, I think it matters to some people. Yeah, I think it does. I don't know. I mean, but I haven't gotten somebody like I had a little feedback saying that my popping peas were annoying and I fixed it. I hope I fixed it. And I know that it was because I was being too lazy. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I, I spent, um, and I even put this on the, uh, the collaborator, the collaboration thing for the, the feed responses that Uh I, because of kids and because of moves and because of life, there were, several years in the middle where I didn't, I didn't upgrade equipment. I didn't pay attention to anything else that was going on in the world of podcasting. I was really in a bubble and it was all I could do to put out the podcast every week. And I'm, I'm afraid of going back and listening to some of that audio because I know what I'm going to hear. And I, I mean, I recorded by mon, I always monitored myself, but that doesn't mean that there weren't problems. Or that I didn't take out a bunch of ums or or whatever. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I don't listen to my podcast either, the LC's Yoga Class podcast, because it's it hurts me. Yeah, I mean it hurt. It it really is like it makes me embarrassed, and I would take it all down, mm-hmm. you know. And and I I just because I had no idea about anything mm-hmm. like Zippo, mm-hmm. like I had no idea of audio levels and whatever. Yep. I had no clue. And my podcast still grew from that. People connected with me because I, I suppose because of my work. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, I understand. I, I completely understand. And we all go through seasons like this. Yeah. So meaning the season of being a mom, the season of having a child come in constantly here because my three-year-old, that's what she's been doing this whole entire time. <laughs> and there's going to be a season where I'm going to be able to go to a quiet place and just do this outright and not have to worry about yeah. anything but paying attention to having a conversation and putting out the best work that I can. Yeah. Right now, that really is what stopped me from doing another podcast, yeah. in, in all honesty. It was because I thought there is no way yeah. I can do this 
at the level that you need the, to do it at the level that I want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and it was something that was in my head for months yes. where I was like, I can't do it because I'm supposed to be an expert in quotes about this stuff. And you are and because you know the, the judgment. Difference. Right. And so, but then it was just, it was self judgment. It's yep. like, people are going to judge me on my audio quality. People are going to judge me on whatever, you know, that I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Like I, I know so many d- different levels about podcasting, yep. but at the same time, I, uh, you know, it kept me from taking action. And I finally just said, you know what, I'm just going to put this out and I'll do the best job that I can. And I'll up level as I go, Mm -hmm. because if not, I'm never going to do it. And I think way back in the day, people, people had low expectations, which was great. Yes. True. True. And their expectations kind of grew with our abilities and, and honestly, our access to technology and software, you know, there were, Oh my God. Things that were not available to us until quite recently. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's it, it, it's mind blowing yeah. how easy it is to do certain things like oh that. I God. remember, I remember beating myself up having dealing with. I, I believe I was using Audacity, mm-hmm. and I couldn't figure out how to lead in, like mm-hmm. just lead into into like to transition from from music to talking mm-hmm. and how to move the levels and how to like I did not know how to do that and I, and then so easy. I didn't add music yeah or it was this really sharp transition I'm like screw it <laughs> I just put it yep. in there because I did not know how to do it yeah. and I remember when I first got my Mac mm-hmm. and I used GarageBand it automatically did it yeah. and that blew my mind yeah yeah and I thought holy cow that it's automatic ducking yeah <laughs> It automatically puts oh the music gosh. lower. Oh my God. You know, I didn't even know that that was even a possibility. And I think all of us go through that mm-hmm. and we just have to go a little bit at a time to be yeah. able to do this, which, you know, brings us really to like, our, our, I, I think we're going to just touch on this because we're going a little bit long, <laughs> but to be <laughs> able, you know, there's this whole thing about listeners mm-hmm. and numbers yes. and uh, who's listening and how, how my stats and are they growing? And, oh my God, I'm obsessed. And how come nobody listened to this episode? And, mm-hmm. oh my God, it, uh, it was really high and then it's really low and that's really defeating and all of this stuff. And I got to tell you that we all go as podcasters un- into this obsession yes. because I know my first year or even like my first few months, yep. I was obsessed. I was like looking at my stats on the hour, almost seeing like, oh, another one, <laughs> Ping. another person. Ding! You know, and I, I was excited because I saw that there was something happening and that is really thrilling. But in all honesty, it, it's so many different things that are happening on, online. There's this article that I shared with you guys. This was on, on Medium and it was by a gentleman. I can't, I actually don't know his name. I didn't put him in, in the show notes. Pete, it says, at Pete. Uh, and he had this article called Downloads, Listens, Listeners yes. and, about, and, and about those podcast numbers. Yeah. <laughs> because... As of now, we're not able to be to know for sure how many people are, in fact, listeners, like people yeah. who are, <laughs> who <laughs> are listening people. to our stuff. Because there's times when, and, and he brings it out, like there, he was like, well, I downloaded, uh, I have a new iPhone. I downloaded the podcast app into, into there. I added my podcast. And then all of a sudden, it started downloading all of the past episodes for the podcast that I'm already subscribed to. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 
obviously those are not going to be listened to. Then there's the ones that automatically download your podcast because they're being subscribed to mm -hmm. and those are not being listened to because you haven't had a chance to go listen to podcasts. Yep. Sometimes you just don't have a chance. So you might have those downloads showing up on your, on your feed, but you're not, those are not, nobody's listening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> it's like, so yeah. what do we do with that? How is it our job to figure out how many listens do we have? What, what do we do with that? Or, or, or is there something else we should be looking for? Um, engagement has been a big conversation. How do you measure engagement? Should we measure engagement or should you just keep going? Yeah. It's a, it's a really, it's a really dicey question because some of it's ego. And I mean, we have to be honest with ourselves. Some of it's ego. We want to see that people like us. Right, right. Of course. And, and part of that, honestly, is we want to see that people like our content. If we are actual content creators and that's our focus, which for you and I, that's what it's been, then part of it is because we're invested in that content. We want other people to be equally as invested or close to equally invested in the content as well so that it's there's the, the ego part, but there's also the, oh, please, but this is so good for you. You know, you're real. I know you're going to enjoy it. Right. And, right, and right. so that's, that's where those stats become uh, personal. But then I think that the, the other part of it is the, the stats also become a commodity because that's where um, you, you start to get into financial support. And people coming to you to financially support the show, whether it's through through advertising or actual episode sponsorship, and they want to see numbers and they don't understand what the numbers really mean any more than anybody else does. So they'll look at total downloads. We just hit 2.5 million downloads on Craftlit, which is that's fantastic, awesome. But Craftlit is all over the place because there are some books that people were not interested in. And listenership dropped off. And those listeners were waiting for the next book to start. And then they popped up again. And so I've seen, you know, I've seen it go from, I had a 70,000 download day. Holy cow. Yeah. I still don't know what happened. <gasps> this was like two years ago. I have no oh my God. clue. I went and I Googled all over the place. I was trying to figure out like, where was it mentioned? Who did what? I have I no love clue. I love the show notes here. If you guys could see, she's like, why, 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 <laughs> why? Yeah, no clue. But then we spiked on Dracula, which is not a surprise. We spiked uh -huh. for Jane Eyre. We spiked for every time we do Austin. Um, but because I'm a teacher, I'm always trying to push the envelope and go, okay, no, really, you guys, we're doing Herland. This is a 1915 mm. book written by a woman about three guys who stumble upon a society that's all women and has been all women for 2000 years. And they, they walk oh, wow. in with their prejudices and their biases and, and they're like, well, they, they look like women and yet they can beat the garbanzo beans out of me. Mm. And, and it's, it's interesting and it's funny, but it's also dated. And I'm finding that surprisingly the numbers haven't dropped off. Oh, so I don't know. Does that mean that my dad's a great reader and everybody's just listening because his voice is soothing? Maybe. Are they actually getting into the content? Maybe. I watch Ravelry. Knitters have a, an online, it's kind of like a Facebook group. So it's, it's a little easier for me to monitor there because we've got, I don't know, 3,000 people in the group, maybe. Uh huh. Which is a lot of knitters and crocheters when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, totally. And, Holy um, cow. and there's, there's engagement on Facebook and there's engagement on Twitter. But I'll tell you, those three groups 
are three different groups of people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's tough. That's a lot. That's a lot of work. And I was listening to you and Jess talk about uh, Edgar. And I thought, yes. oh, God, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do that. Because <laughs> I can't do yeah. it otherwise. I can't keep up. It's really, really tough. And, yeah. and I, I believe that's one of the key things. And before, you know, in the old days of podcasting, <laughs> there really wasn't, it was more about comments in the blog post mm-hmm. like that. What that's really, I don't think that's really happening almost, almost to anybody other than, other than perhaps certain podcasters, bloggers slash podcasters that have maybe gone into podcasting that had already had trained their audiences mm-hmm. to do this kind of thing. And spammers. Um, and, sp- and spammers, <laughs> true. Oh my God, spammers. But really all of the newish kind of ways to engage, especially with people who are with the podcast, it seems like there are different places where they go. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. In the Facebook group for She Podcast, it's one thing. And if people engage with us in on Twitter, you know, it's interesting that it, it's more men uh-huh. on Twitter uh-huh. that are responding and retweeting to our work. That's nice. Which is nice, uh, and it's great to be supported in in that way. And I'm sure that there are places that we could possibly engage with a different caliber of person, including different types of women, perhaps if we went into Google Plus and started to really engage in that community. But really, I don't have time to do that. Mm. So what counts? And and then, then, and I guess the problem is, just like you were talking about uh, dealing with podcast numbers, as a commodity, then that's only going to be affecting if you are selling sponsorship mm-hmm. in some way. If you can spin your community engagement, the numbers, the kinds of numbers that you're talking about in Ravelry, ra- mm-hmm. is that what it's called, yep. Ravelry? And maybe the Facebook group and including that with a th- with an email newsletter mm-hmm. to be able to package that as a fully embodied community mm-hmm. where there is a back and forth and it's not just out into the masses, it's different. I yeah. feel that it's sad because at this moment, money people are not really thinking about engagement and influence and impact yeah. in the same way that we are. Yeah. And that's really just trickling down from mainstream media because even at this point, like, what is the show for gosh's sake? Because I get into a lot of these like TV shows that all of a sudden are like canceled yeah. and it drives me bananas yep. because they've got like these incredible communities of fans. Yep. Like and yeah, and they don't even care. No. No, they don't care. And you know what you just said, all of a sudden a light bulb went off and it didn't go off until you said that, that I learned, I learned the hard way that a devoted fan base is a fan base for that particular product. So for me, my fan base is my people who love classic literature and they love learning the ins and outs of it. Um, not at a college level. I need to say that I'm not, I don't treat this like a, it's not like, and the diegetic levels that you'll find, (laughs) you know, it's not that at all. It's like, Hey, here's the joke. Let's, you know, fart joke. Um, (laughs) because we have kids and I have two boys. And so there it is. Right. But the, that doesn't mean that they're going to follow you if you change. So for example, I did, um, actually based on tale of two cities, I had a, an episode back in 2007 called What Would Madame Defarge Knit? And it was WWMDFK. And this is when all the What Would Jesus Do bracelets were out. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And so I thought that was hysterical. And so we made t-shirts and it was all funny. (laughs) And then like two years later, I went, wait a minute. 
that's a book. That's a book of knitting patterns with essays from the designers explaining how this character from classic fiction inspired them to design this particular thing. Oh my God. And so now I have a series of knitting books and they're called What Would <gasps> Madame Defarge Knit? Oh my God. And we're, we're putting the finishing touches on, uh, a shake, uh, Madame and a Shakespeare walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the, it's all the Shakespeare patterns. And then we've got a Sherlock pattern book. Uh, and oh no, oh, we've got a medieval, wow. a medieval one, Chaucer. And then we've got Sherlock. And then I'm done. I can't, I can't do anymore. But it's, oh um, God, but that's I thought, I foolishly thought that everybody who loved the podcast would therefore love this book that I was doing, even though they might not all be knitters, they were all going to get it anyway. And that was wrong. Mm. And then I wrote um, a young adult, the first book in a trilogy of young adult fiction called Grounded. And um, and a lot of that was drawing on the kids who I taught with and stuff. So it's, I have a, I have a lot of fun writing teenagers. They're, they're a lot of fun to, to play with. And I, again, assumed, oh, well, this will be more of a sell because everybody has kids or they know a kid or they know a young adult or they like young adult fiction and not so much. Not so much. I, I'd say, uh, actually more people bought the young adult fiction than the knitting book in the grand wow. scheme of things. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting. And so the, I think when you said, you know, should you switch and go to Google plus, I think in the beginning, you probably need to, if you're starting a podcast, you probably need to put a poll up and say, where do you hang out the most? And you go where your people are hmm. because that's where you need to focus to grow that base because your people are probably hanging out with other, your peoples in that space. Right. And that's how they communicate, which is one exactly. of the reasons that I feel. And something that I'm really interested in as well in the Facebook group is because it's growing like crazy. Yes. Like I'm just like, what is going on here? So who are they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I, I, so are, are they coming from the podcast? Uh, are they looking for podcasting stuff? Mm -hmm. Are they like, who, who are they? And so I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in hearing those conversations. And, and the sad part about, of course, Facebook is the fact that not everybody sees everything. Yeah. So if you put up a poll, which I would love to put up a poll, and I'm still going to do that at some point, I, I believe next year, just to see where they came from yeah. and just to kind of get it a, a, an eye yeah. to see what's going on, because I'm still interested when people are in there and then we'll po post up a podcast and, and they'll be like, oh, I didn't know there was a podcast with this. And it was just like, oh, Okay. Because it's so cheap podcast. Right. Because it's, yeah. And right. you know what I mean? So yeah. I, it's a really interesting to me to see that 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 could also be a way to, to grow your audience, mm -hmm. but even though they don't know that it's a podcast. So really it is, is, it is like a chicken or the egg. And you're right. There are people, I cannot tell you every single uh, feedback episode that I get now, because I haven't produced Elsie's yoga class in so long. The, I still get emails. And the first time that these people email me back, they're like, we really, or I really love your classes. You're awesome. I want more of the 30 minute classes. And I get it. Like I, they tell me exactly what they want right? and I wish that I could give it to them. And then I would have no, if I would have known this before, yeah. I would have done a lot more of these 30 minute classes. I get it now being a mom that I can't do a 90 minute yoga class because it's 90 minutes. Yeah. So, and when I first started, I was very much like a classically trained actor. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is the way you do it. Uh -huh. 
And don't you give me any direction. Yeah. yeah. Because this is the way I did it. Uh-huh. And this is the way I will do it. And <laughs> so, I know because I've been I, trained. Exactly. Yeah. So it, and, and so I, I put that out in terms of, of, of the yoga stuff because I, I wanted to keep it because I wanted to do it this way. And this is the way that I want to do it. I did not want to listen to any feedback yeah. because that's like, you know, compromising my integrity for my that's work. Right. It is my so, art. This is my art. And I saw it in that way. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. And so now after doing it, like, you know, quite a while, it's, it becomes, uh, oh, there is a back and forth. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah, I had to learn is, that too. I get that. That's the way you do it. Yeah. So, And now I like I that. In the beginning, it was oh, yes. very scary. Yes, yes. Because you're putting yourself, you're putting so much of yourself out there that any kind of feedback is so, it's terrifying in the beginning. And then I had, I had somebody leave, not a negative, it was like a three-star review. And it was, and this is actually an interesting thing for new podcasters to hear. I had thought it was more important for me to get stuff out on a schedule. And so I, uh, our air conditioning went out and my computer was overheating. So I had to take the laptop someplace air conditioned. And I went to a coffee house, a local coffee house, and I recorded there. And the audio quality, as you can imagine, was me in a coffee house. And <laughs> that's not great. And um, and so this one semi-negative comment was about the audio quality, particularly that episode. And And I said something on the podcast later about how, you know, sour grapes, man, you're getting this for free and it's all this stuff and all this work and blah, blah, blah. And one of my listeners who'd been a listener for a long time at that point wrote back and said, you don't think she was wrong and you don't think it wasn't a valuable comment. You do think that she hit on something that you were already feeling guilty about. Ugh. And, and that's, <laughs> and that's what the problem is, is you, you try so hard to put out good quality stuff. And this is the one time that you weren't able to, and she pinned you for it. Mm-hmm. And so you need to accept it and move on. And I went, oh, wow. You know, talk about wisdom. Just somebody saying, here, take a step back and look at where your reaction is coming from. And I thought, oh, because it was uh, one of the things was if you're listening on earbuds, and the audio quality is uh, at all compromised in that kind of coffeehouse way, or again, in a shrill, pitchy kind of way, it's, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a problem if you're on earbuds. And this listener who had made the critical comment on, on the iTunes review, she was, she was on earbuds. And I went, mm. oh, I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought about it from the consumer side uh, nearly yeah. as much, even though I listened to podcasts myself. It hadn't, I hadn't thought about listening to my own in that way, I was thinking about listening to it as an editorial, you know, take this out, add this in. Oh my gosh, I forgot to to add this one bit in. I wasn't thinking about it as a audio quality issue. And so uh-huh. since then I have, I have stopped like this, when our modem went out, I just went on the Facebook page and I went on the Craftlet newsletter and I said, all right, we have no modem. We have no modem. And because of that, I can't download stuff I need and I can't record. So it's supposed to be fixed by such and such date. My breath is not held. I'll keep you posted. And um, the one thing that I did do was I struggled to get out the premium feed 
so that, because they're paying. And so those, those episodes I did, I made up the missed one and, uh, and then was able to get the other one. I just skipped a week because I had to. And and that's something that in another podcast we're going to have to deal with to be able to address, like, you know, once money's involved, then mm-hmm. you have to deliver. And mm-hmm. it's not like as easy as like, oops, sorry, I can't, um, you know. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. No, it totally, it's a total game changer. And it surprised me. Oh, my gosh. It's it's crazy when you do have to deliver like yeah. that. Well, and when you're oh. like us, when you're a good girl, you're raised to be a good girl. You made a promise. So you got to step up. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I hear you. Yes. I know my girls are like about to like eat me alive here with this, <laughs> this thing. I can't even. So I believe it's probably a good time to finish off, which is not necessarily how I usually generally wrap things up, but <laughs> she's like going crazy here because this like game isn't. Okay. What's she playing? She is. No. Oh my gosh. Okay. I wish, you know how they have like those wrap up things on the news or something like that. <laughs> now we're going to go to the next. Now we're going to the next. Oh my God. Yeah. Seriously. She just comes up here. It's, it, I, I told her, I said, listen, you're not coming up here to talk with mommy when mommy's recording. This is what you're going to do. You're going to stay down here. And I said over and over, she looked at me. She said, yes, mama. I think 10 minutes into our conversation, she was up here. <laughs> And the whole time she was asking me questions and I've had to like mute myself a gazillion times. Oh my God. So this is the, this is the glamorous side of podcasting. This is the glamorous side of podcasting. So yes. And I know, so we've, we have kind of talked a lot today, ladies, about all kinds of kind of different topics than usually, especially having to do with education, having to do with podcasting from a different perspective, from a perspective that perhaps requires more more thinking. <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh, darn it. And I'd love to, I mean, you know, we would love to get your thoughts um, yes. t- to this. So please email uh, feedback at shepodcast.com so that we can get those thoughts and you can send audio feedback. And if at this moment you are thinking of being part of the last episode, just check out the show notes, please. And they're going to be over at shepodcast.com slash 30. This is episode number 30. <laughs> this is the second to last episode of 2014. Yay! So, um, yes, and would love to hear from you. And, of course, the conversation over at uh, shepodcast.com slash group, which is our Facebook group, is always awesome. going on. Awesome. It's awesome and delicious. It so, is. please... Um, I hope to hear. Thank you so much, Heather, for being oh, on the show. Oh, you bet. This is so much fun. It's always fun to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And all of her fancy links are going to be in the show notes, everybody. Mm. Yay! Yay! Bye-bye. Thank you. Have fun with your girls. I will. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> 